You're listening to The Real King with Joe and Heidi King. Are you stuck? Do you feel called but don't know where to start? Sometimes we get frustrated and even start to resent God for not answering our prayers. Today, we talk about ways that you can get unstuck. Let's get into it. It, it, it's a it's a little uh, seasonal body of water that flows through a property, usually at the time that snow That's and ice creek. melt off of a field. That's a creek. Depends on where you're talking about it. Yeah. If you're up past Highway 40, it's no, a creek. North Highway. And if you're if you're southern, it's a creek. You know how they say, "I got a crick in my neck." What is a crick? Isn't it a crook? Yeah, it was it's crook, a crook. Like crooked. I got a crook in my neck. Is it crook or crick? I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Somebody um, Google it. It's not a matter of eternity. Somebody Google it. <clears throat> it's not a matter of eternity. Oh, my gosh. You're so zen and No, that would be spiritual. Centered. I don't. Crick. I don't. So it's crick, C-R-I-C-K. A crick in the neck is usually from muscles that are overworked from holding a particular position for too long. All right. Our job here is done. It's probably some like (laughs) voodoo-based wives' tale word. What's the etymology of that word? Yeah, what's the etymame of that word? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Etymame is so good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she had, she had a poke bowl. A poke bowl. Like, yeah, poke poke bowl. All right, crick. Yeah, is. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, is it voodoo? Come on, Heidi. Where does it say it? I can read it faster in the reflection of your glasses. It says Middle English. <laughs> Middle English. Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. Has anybody yeah. heard of that before? Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's Middle English. Crick. Okay. 1608. It's not quite the Middle Ages. I think by that time we can, it's like Renaissance. Synonyms. Charlie horse. Cramp. Kink. Please, spasm. Please for everything. <laughs> the next time you get a Charlie horse, please go... Heidi, run my leg. I got a crick. Dad's like, let me do us all a favor and get on the inside of the booth. Okay? Let me get three people deep. (laughs) Oh, it's a circular booth? Let me get in the middle of the back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he's like, by the way, I'm going to get Charlie horses. And then our fat bodies are trying to scramble out of the booth. Absolutely not. I'm okay with that. Like when Max when your fat goes, body he wants out. to get in the middle of the back of the booth and then have to go to the bathroom 10 times. I have to be at the end of the booth. Yeah. I can't be on the inside. I always purposely take the inside because I don't have claustrophobia or anything. Let's so. ask this, okay, because I think this says a lot about you as a person. <laughs> you just barnowled me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Who>? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> She's talked about the way I looked at her, yeah. like my whole head turned. I know, but that's like, what an yeah. owl says. Yeah, yeah almost three sixty. You're a real hoot. Get it? Punch. Uh. Oh. 
when you're seated at a restaurant and they take you to a half booth, half table, what do you choose? Table. It depends on who I'm with. You do? Yeah. That's so dumb. I like it to be It depends on who see. you're with? <clears throat> yeah. You have free reign. It doesn't matter. Why does it depend on who you're with? Right. If you're because with Because if family. I think I'm with somebody that likes a more padded seat, I'll take the chair. Mm, oh, so, so you're always selfless. taking like the lower seat? No. Mm. So you can and be then called if, up higher. If I don't, if, <laughs> if, if it's like me and my family, I always take... Like your immediate family? Yeah. I take the seat where I can see the entryways. Joe does always sit where he can see out. I like to be able to see everything going on around me, and I like to be able to see the ent- entrance and exits. Find Joe in the back corner of every restaurant. Yeah. People even here. Even in my home, I like to sit where I can see the entry access points. I'm not saying that you're fully like Dwight Schrute, but there are certain aspects of you that are not unlike Dwight Schrute. I, I could I could live with that. So this is the thing is a lot of men, especially men like I have t- like caveman ish tendencies. Mm-hmm. So I don't it's probably like a like a protective nature that I like to see the entry exit points. Mm-hmm. I also I've never. I've always, whenever I'm in like a dentist chair or doctor's chair, you have to see the. Entry I fold points. my legs, and then I was reading about like this. Yeah, or yeah. like you're like crisscross applesauce. <laughs> no, no, like can you like, please do that next time? I was reading about um, body language, and they said that that's a, a natural behavior, and um, animals and humans do that uh, to protect protect their reproductive. Like that's like an instinct. If you feel, <laughs> if you feel, you it's gonna happen? if you feel threatened at all, or and I'm like, oh, that makes sense in a doctor's office or. A, I always cross my legs in the dentist chair. Or in like even not a, me, I throw one leg over the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's up, Doctor T? Yep. Take your shoes off. Yeah, <laughs> get comfy. Heidi and oh. I had a sesh today. It was. <clears throat> a lot about how you get into like this an, like paralysis state when you start to overanalyze things. We call it analysis paralysis in the business world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you can circle <clears throat> forever and talk about all the what ifs and it prevents you from taking the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a big risk taker ever. So a lot of the times when you go full surrender with God. A lot of it's, in my opinion, it's risky, risky. according to human. <laughs> like you just well, kind of got to get out there and take a chance and it's do obedience. something. Mm-hmm. And so you sometimes just get in this thing of like always analyzing everything that you do. Mm-hmm. The, the curse of sin in the flesh, the fall of mankind will always enable you it will encourage you to be um something to a fault so like if you if you have a struggle to be outgoing or um interactive with people mm-hmm. it'll it'll help to shut you down you know if if you if you already have like a an issue where you're 
you're prone to worry, um, you'll worry more than, mm-hmm. than the, the average person. And what God wants to do is he wants to, he wants to bring you out of that and into where he, he, you abide in him and he abides in you. And then you get to see what the authentic you, the one he created, looks like. And usually it's the polar opposite of what you think you are. Yeah. I feel like a lot of your walk with Jesus is you chipping away the real you. Like just trying to, to get that to person out. Mm-hmm. I used <clears throat> to be very social. Used to? Right. I used to be very social, but inwardly I felt alone all the time. Mm. And I, I disliked almost everybody around me because I thought in some way, shape, or form, they were either didn't take me serious, uh, made fun of me probably behind my back, or I was nothing more than entertainment for them. Mm-hmm. Um, or so I was used, substance. right? So like I never had real connection with people. And it's sad <clears throat> because a lot, of, a lot of people really stuck with me through things Mm -hmm. so they probably were you know pretty sincere and in a lot of ways but um god wasn't in it Mm. so now i'm social but i'm social in a way that i'm not i'm not worried or held to anything about um whether somebody's using me or whether um there's a real connection or not because I know that my purpose is to, to share good news. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are going to use me, if you are going to be insincere with me, there's still going to be seed planted while we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You take the, you take like the emotional flesh part out of it. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just like, I am a spiritual being and I'm here for a spiritual reason. And that's what you're going to get. Period. When we, when we understand who we are in Christ, then it changes our responsibility with every moment. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you have a different responsibility. You're no longer singing music at church in front of the church. You're responsible for the glory you're giving God in that praise. It's got nothing to do with anybody else in the room. That's correct. When you end up with an audience, whether it was somebody put there by the enemy to drag you down or somebody put there by God to lift you up, you're responsible for every audience, whether it be the guy next to you at the gas pump or whatever. What do you have to share? What, what, why is he there? What, what you, so all of a sudden you, you start to see things different and you start to interact differently. I like that response because part of our conversation earlier today was I was basically venting because I have all of these different things in my life that I want to plan for. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know the A to Z plan, I feel like I can't start it. Yeah. Mm. No, you just have to to start walking. Hold on though. And and so I was like, I, I get, into that mode where I feel like I'm just spinning like a top and I can't stand that. And she made a comment on, well, you, we have to start focusing on what we can do with what we have. And that's exactly the mindset that you're talking about is no matter where you are at in life, whether you're 
like living out your dreams or whether you're not even knowing what they are yet and or you're right in the middle of them what can you do right now today for a person standing in front of you the hardest part about the way i am is when i say things like this even when you try to understand it it's it's really hard to put into words how how god works through that cuz like i've noticed there's people that have approached me and they're like oh man you go out and you have this these opportunities and this boldness and we need to go out in the public together and we need to witness and share and then they go with me and i end up ministering to them for like 3 hours mhm yeah because it's 100% to whoever's in front of me on whatever god's done in my life recently or whatever he gives me right there in that moment yeah so it's like oh you want to go like minister to people let's do it but a lot of times something gets drawn out of them or they ask something and then it turns into a a teachable moment or a lot of times we'll just get in conversation and then god will through them give me um revelation Mm -hmm. because they'll say something about something that I feel that I've I've gotten um, maybe promotion in or or I've or I've got some some practice with it some history there and then all of a sudden they'll say something you know maybe it's something in question of like but how does this happen and all of a sudden I'll get new revelation like wow I never I never seen it that way and now all of a sudden we'll have a teaching moment between so it's really when when I say, you know, you just got to start somewhere. You got to jump in. Mm-hmm. So can I jump in? Yeah. <laughs> that is a very, you, you're always going to go towards evangelism because it's heavy on your heart. There's more, there's more though. Oh yeah. So like if, if you feel led to do a certain type of ministry that may not be like hitting the streets, but yeah. like it may be like you feel called to provide like a meal once per week to a certain family or a certain person. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's walk through this and you're like, I don't know where to start. The best thing you can do if you truly feel like you don't know where to start is put pen to paper, physical pen to paper and go through the exercise of thinking out what would this actually take? Not necessarily details like prices of things or Mm -hmm. like, logistics per se but like first of all write down what it is that you feel called to do yeah like the actual thing and then what all does that entail so if if it's an idea and you don't even know what that calling is you can you can kind of lay out you know just the thoughts like what are what are the three main things of this thought that I'm having that would have to be there for this to even be a thing anyway. Well, here's what will happen. I don't, a lot of people that are, they work in prophetic ministries. A lot of times they wake up in the middle of the night, they had a dream, they write it down. Yep. They have a thought that comes to them in the middle of the day, they write it down. Yep. I guarantee you that if you put pen to paper and you start to write things down, the Holy Spirit will kick in. Mm-hmm. And he'll start to give you things as you're planning, as you're writing like down. I have together. notes. He will every See? day. 
every day things God's given me every day. Right. I have notes. And have you noticed that once you start writing, you hit a certain point and the Holy Spirit kicks in and gives you new revelation Mm -hmm. and thoughts and considerations as you're writing it. Hmm. But that won't kick in until you start putting pen to paper. Once you start putting pen to paper, that's where you can start to organize your thoughts and where God is leading you. You can have categories, right? Like things to pray for. What this would entail from my family or my spouse. What this would entail from my church. Like you start to look through the situation, the calling that you have, and what does it actually look like? What would it look like for me to actually do this thing? And yeah. that's all a part of sewing into it. Because because you at that point you're sewing time. time. Yeah. You're sewing time. Um, but I just wanted to clarify, like, actual we, practical steps. You yeah. Know? We have a tendency to want to be in charge, you know? And sometimes sewing into it looks like a lot of times if if we have something like that hit us we've seen it somewhere there's somebody that did something there's something that kind of pricked our heart something that caught our attention um there's a need we've seen you can find somebody that you know works in those those spiritual giftings callings or business giftings or callings and it's not the the enemy would like you to think it's abnormal to ask for a mentor yeah the bible teaches us that we need to be discipled Mm -hmm. the business world is full of people that mentor other people the spiritual world is full of people that mentor other people. You know, that's very interesting that you say that because even at my work, so I work for a corporation and it is constant community, constant teams reaching out to teams, reaching mm-hmm. out to teams, constant, even a mentorship program. Do you want to be mentored? Sign up for this mentorship program. Yeah. Wow. Is that lacking in the church? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Well, I think that there's multiple reasons why. One is that people in, uh, there's just a lot of situations, especially bigger churches, where you have to have manpower behind that and time. And you have to have the time to sew into it from like being able to mentor somebody. Because the last thing you want to do is say, yes, I'll mentor you. And then you don't actually make time for Mm -hmm. that person. So that's the other piece. Yeah. Is like, you can say, you. A lot of people get discouraged because they're like, "I wanna, I wanna go do street ministry. Does anybody want to go?" Mm-hmm. And that's as far as they take it. Pick a day, and a time, and say, yeah. "I'm going to do street ministry. Whoever wants to come, this is the day. This is the time." Yeah. You may have one person. You may have zero people. You may have five, but at least you've you like committed, right? So with mentorship programs, I think they can be really valuable. But from a standpoint of being mentored, from what I've seen personally, a lot of times people get impatient with the process. Mm. And they feel like, well, the pastor is personally mentoring me. When am I going to get the pulpit? 
Yeah. When am I going to get put into a ministry? When am I going to yeah. pu be put in charge of something? Yeah. Maybe you're not called to be in charge of something. Maybe you're called to wash feet, to yeah. serve, to, you know what I mean? Or you have people that mm -hmm. want to be mentored, but then when you go to tell them something, they're like, yeah, but I already do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like they already know what you're saying. Well, then you don't need me to mentor you. Yeah. If you are something know else, what I'm is, if if I'm giving you the expertise and we're not in the same place, and but you're saying you know all this already, yeah. Well, then something else is falling apart. Or here. I did that at my last church. Yep. It's yeah. Like, well, yep. I I run into that in the business, like oh you all you know you you do this and that, but my um my last guy did this. I'm like okay, well why aren't you using him? Well he's not in business anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that something's got to change. Right. Either w what his process that he had was either too cheap or or it was it was ineffective. So something happened where where he's no longer around and now you have to find somebody that has a similar um definition of what you want done as you. Yeah. You know. Obviously, my definition of clean could be different than the next five guys. Right. We're always in a spiritual arena. If you think about the, the disciples and how competitive they were. Yeah. But, you know, we were talking about the disciples today. Yeah. And I said, Jesus always knew the plan, but mm -hmm. the disciples didn't. Right. They didn't have all the answers. They were called to do specific things. Like, hey, do this specific task right now. Yeah. yeah. Go into town and eat yep. lunch. And they, Jesus knew the whole time, but there was a reverence for him as rabbi. Yeah. And they were, which is teacher. Mm -hmm. And they knew that they were pupils. Yeah. And meant to be taught. Yeah. And so it's like they were soaking up whatever they could from him. Right. And how often are we doing that? And they were, they were anxious about being put up. Like I go away and and like, I'm in a what are we supposed to do? They're like, I'll never let it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. The interesting thing about mentors too is like sometimes if people try to find them within the church, they'll go to like fourteen different mentors. Yeah, when which that can get hard too sometimes because like they might get differing information. Is the information incorrect? I don't know because your your personal experience with the word being related in your life is going to look different than your friends. Yeah. <laughs> so like in, in, in the ministry of like, uh, words of knowledge, dream interpretation, it's really interesting how many times people come with a dream that they've already asked other people for mm -hmm. interpretation for. Mm-hmm. And that they've already got some form of an interpretation, too. Mm -hmm. So when I look at that, I know that there was not a lot of options for me to be discipled in that area. And it was a natural gift that I was born with mm -hmm. that it's actually like the meaning of my name, you know. So it, it's just something that God put there. And when when I feel the Holy Spirit, when I'm... You can tell if I don't feel the Holy Spirit and you bring me a dream because I go blank real quick because Joe doesn't have that. <laughs> He's like, 
Okay, so you had a dream. Were you asleep? I have an overactive <laughs> imagination. No, usually it's like a, huh, I'll have to pray about that. Okay, oh, that's I'll your tell right there. So that. if you go to Joe the Dream and he's like, I got to pray about that. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask people to do stuff and they go, I'll have to pray about that. If you ask Joe to interpret a dream and he's like, I'll have to pray about that. <laughs> guess what? The answer's no. That means like Joe was just going to try and show up on Joe's power. Yeah. And Holy Spirit was like, no, that's not how this works because the glory's got to go to God. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people come in and, oh yeah, well, you know, I had this dream interpreted and I'm like, who, who interpreted that for you? Well, the head of our uh, intercessor prayer team at church told me this mm-hmm. and then I'll listen and I'll be like, wow, like that is so far from the heart of Christ. And it's like, it, it troubles me to hear some of the things and, and I'll hear fear coming out. Oh, that's uh, this is this so that you stay away from this. And I'm like, yeah, but that that would cost an opportunity for God to to literally save a soul or that would cost an an opportunity that God already lined things up. Maybe he's trying to show you where there's breakthrough in your life. So now you're going to avoid this thing the rest of your life because somebody said, well, that must be a thing to avoid. When, when the Bible clearly says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And if he's coming to you in a dream trying to plant a seed that's going to turn into a root of fear, that's going to turn into something that produces fruit in fear— God's probably revealing in that dream some way out, some way to cut that thing off the root, some way to empower you into authority over those things. You know, because God doesn't give you a dream to leave you uh, in bondage to the enemy. So that's a very specific example. Right. There's so many things. Right. There's So when you're stuck, some of the things you can do, one of the main things is start to put pen to paper. Yeah. You can seek out if if your church or organization provides a formal program, in my opinion, take advantage of it mm-hmm. or go about it very prayerfully. If you're going to approach somebody that isn't in a ministry of mentorship yeah. and be, because that's something that you have to be called to to be able to disciple people. And you want to make sure that you're being discipled by people that are aligned with God's vision for your life and aligned yeah. with the word and not yeah. just projecting their view Thoughts of what, or, yeah. or, and the only reason that we're speaking out like that is because we've seen multiple people, um, get mentored out quotes, of the church, out of the by kingdom. people and they end up in left field, Yes, left field or that person puts them in a situation where they're the mediator now. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, okay, you can always have freedom here as long as you come to me. Uh-huh. Bottom line, you like a mentor should never, never, ever, ever be pointing you to themselves. No. It should be always to go to cross. Christ. Yeah. Always at, go to Christ. At some Christ, point, yeah. if, you, if you get free in an area, don't think that you're going to ask God for deliverance in an area or... Um, provision in an area and get to just put that in the bank of your mind as as a vaulted thing that god did for you that now becomes a tool 
to share with others. Mm-hmm. It also becomes a ministry where you can mentor others. Hey, when I was down on my luck or when I was battling depression or I was battling anxiety or I was having a struggle with this, this, or this, this is exactly what God did in my life. So when we, when we have those moments mm-hmm. where, we, where we get spiritual clarity or something like that, that becomes the idea of having somebody mentor you or disciple you. It should always lead you to a place of authority in that area because once you become— Not an, dependency— Right. You, once yeah. you become an uh, an overcomer or more than a conqueror in that area, mm-hmm. and you've got freedom in that area, now now you know exactly how to get boldly before the throne of God with those issues. Mm-hmm. My last piece of advice on this topic is, if you're going to choose a mentor or work with somebody in for a particular ministry, I guess I would strongly advise that if you have not seen fruit from that person in that ministry, Mm -hmm. they should not be your mentor. If they have not, I struggle with the word successful, Mm -hmm. if they have not been successful, because I don't know that our human standards of success are always, you know, lining up per se. Well, you'll know them by their fruit. Right. But just know you have to test the spirit, the spirits, and you have to ask the Lord to lead that. And I think that that's, Again, like with any of these things, whether you're like mapping out steps or seeking out somebody to mentor you or whatever, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead. And and number one in my life where he leads me is through the reading of his word. Yes. So when I have an issue, even if I'm going to pray, I'm not going to pray my emotions. My, My emotions don't move God. His word does. His word does. Just say that again. My emotions don't move God. My tears don't move God. His word does. Because there's a It goes where to he sent it and it accomplishes it. That's scripture. So when we bring his word as a legal binding contract before him and we're in righteousness through him and our heart is right and it lines up with his will and his purpose— then he answers prayer and he'll give us vision. He'll I mean, give us wisdom. God has compassion on his children. Yes. But if you want to move God and see results and answers to prayer, I've said this before. The Bible is legislation. Yeah. You look for precedent. So when a, a court, like a judge, even the Supreme Court, if they're going to rule on something, they look for legal precedent where the issue has already been addressed mm-hmm. or it's similar enough that they can take the precedent that was already set and apply it to your case, right? Like we've already addressed similar things. We're going to apply that here. Yeah. Well, and believe- God does the same thing. Yeah. He, so if you say, listen, Lord, you, you said that you're no respecter of persons. And so I'm, I'm asking you for this, thing and this is what i'm praying for and according to your word then bring up the precedent where in his word did he say that he would do that Mm -hmm. if you compared that to like a child throwing a tantrum Mm -hmm. same kind of concept Mm -hmm. like if we are like freaking out 
And we've all been there. Like I've done it too. But like, God, why this and why that? Mm-hmm. And I'm so sick of this. And I've been doing this this way for this long and just on and on and on. And I don't understand this and why this. And you're crying and you're having a fit. Again, he has compassion where he's probably like, love you. Sorry. But yeah. like you're going you're gonna to be okay, right? But at the same time, it's not going to move him. Like that tantrum or that meltdown or that depression that you're trying to like let these things just like take control mm-hmm. of you is not going to move him. It's going to be that word. Yeah. So like it would be like if your child, think about it, if your child threw a tantrum, you're totally not going to reward that. But at the same time, if your child came to you and was like, I want to go here because I know that I have to clean my room, mow the lawn, unload the dishwasher, and do this before I can leave today. And I've done it. And I've just done all those things. Mm-hmm. It's a completely And I different... saw you do it with my brother. Mm-hmm. That was the rule for him, and you followed through on it. Yeah. So now I did the exact same thing, and I'd like to right. have that same thing. Yeah. We, we have to get to a place, too, where we trust that God's going to respond or answer. I think and the reason in how he answers. I th- well, I think a lot of people go to somebody in their church or in their social group and say, "Hey, what about this? What what do you think about this? Will you pray about this?" because they don't legitimately think God's going to answer them. They but think the Bible they think that God will answer that person. The Bible says ask for wisdom. Yeah. Can I read something real quick? Yeah. So, I've been like stuck in Malachi like a weird, weird book of the Bible. Malachi's good. <laughs> I know it, but like not normally where I hang out. Like I don't usually hang out in Malachi. Yeah. Um, but he's just been working something on me in there. Because a lot of the times, um, in fact, me and you have had this conversation a lot, Joe, where we're like, we see people all the time. They're living like they want nothing to do with God and they are letting everybody know it. But at the same time, they're like successful beyond craziness. Oh, well, yeah. And, like, you sometimes see this stuff, and then you see somebody that's, like, trying their best to walk out the Lord's will, and they're just, like, yeah. hitting rake after rake after rake after yeah. rake, right? It's just an observation yeah. that we see quite often. So the Lord brought me to Malachi, and it says, Malachi 3, starting in 3.13, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God, but they go free. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall go again, discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. When you fear the Lord, he listens and he hears it, and it's creating a book of remembrance. That's huge. God keeps good books. Yes. We often see those situations, and the Bible does say the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. 
but everything that we see as wealth a lot of times pertains to earthly possessions absolutely yeah and finance yeah so how i was kind of connecting that was sometimes for these people for any listeners that sometimes get caught in this thing of like i feel like i'm called but i don't know what i'm supposed to do and i feel like i'm called but i'm not doing what i'm supposed to do or i don't know how to do it or i don't even know where to start or i just feel like i'm failing all the time bottom line is if you fear the lord and you meditate on his name Anything that you put your foot to shall prosper. Mm. So it's time to just start taking the risks. It's time to just start listening to the Holy Spirit and just doing it, even if it sounds crazy, even if you don't understand it. Because here's why I would sometimes have a tendency to hold back is because I wouldn't want to fail. It's that whole fear of failure. Like if I take this risk right now, I might screw up what God really had planned for me. Mm-hmm. That is paralysis within itself because that could be something that needs to take place in order for God to get you to your plan. It's Bottom, like fear of missing out. You have to like get to a point where you're comfortable hearing Holy Spirit and just practicing it and going with it. And if you screw up a couple times or you miss it, it's going to be all right. There's also people that they hesitate to share and bounce things off of others. Like obviously we have a lot of trust because we've been friends for a long time. But there's people that maybe don't have uh, close friends that they've had for a long time that are also Christian. They don't want to share because they don't want somebody to, like, take their idea or their thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I feel called to do this this thing. And they hold it, I don't want to say gatekeep, but they hold it really tight. And then they're very cautious about who they are willing to share because in reality... They feel called. They want to do this thing, but they don't necessarily want to hear what other people have in terms of input. Mm -hmm. And they don't want people to like take over and do the thing without them. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be debilitating, too, because when you and I were talking earlier, by willing by being willing to just take the first step and include other people who have like clearly want to help with things. Mm -hmm. You, you may have been, you may have a, an idea, a calling that you have been sitting on for 10 years. Come on. You need a fresh set of eyes. Mm -hmm. You need input from other people. They may be able to speak in that moment into that situation and help you break through whatever you've been stuck on and take the first step towards something. If you're looking to do something for for a specific ministry, that person may financially sow into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If 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 you present that to two two people, one of which says, "Oh, that's dumb," and and it has a negative approach, mm-hmm. that's sometimes a good indication that that's that's of God. That you're that like yeah. Beware when all men speak well of you. Right, Mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna meet opposition, and then Matthew nine thirty seven thirty eight says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. You need to petition God to thrust out laborers into that harvest. Right. I always use that uh, in a context when somebody has a wayward adult child that won't receive from them spiritually. So I'm like, pray that God puts laborers into that harvest. But sometimes that that idea of harvest, you know, when we have to, we sow and we reap, um, and we're not seeing a return, 
and it feels like we're never having a jubilee where anything's ever brought back to us, that's when we can also petition God and say, Lord, you know, like, what season am I in? Is when, when am I going to reap a harvest? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and trust that he's going to answer you or that he's going to send somebody to give you a word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, another thing we were talking about is, uh, the, a lot of times we want to have all the details worked out. Mm-hmm. And we want to know exactly how it's going to go. And we don't want to take this first step until we know that we have the money or the materials yeah. or the manpower or whatever for step two. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like God is just sitting there like waiting for you to step out onto the water. Yeah. And and he knows that if, if you don't have what you think you need to do it, when he provides, you'll see him in it. We were listening to a Catholic priest that was um, sharing testimonies on a guy's um, show. <laughs> the guy's a news guy. Mm-hmm. And this man was talking about some of the miracles that he's seen, like in third world countries. Yeah. And he said they, they were talking with, with this group of sisters. It was a bunch of nuns mm-hmm. that ran like an orphanage in a school. And they were in a third world country and each nun had very specific things and, and talents and stuff. So they did certain things in the the works that were going on. One was given a task of trying to find, they were having a, a, a big thing, like a party for these kids, right? These orphans. So she was tasked with trying to find dessert. And... She went and she made a deal with some pudding company mm-hmm. and was like, can you provide pudding cups for our 500 orphans? Mm-hmm. And they're like, absolutely we can. So she sets it all up. And then the, the sample that she brought back, she had. And then the day came and all of a sudden they realized she gave the people the wrong date. Mm-hmm. And she went to like the head sister and she said, we gave them the wrong date. There's no pudding cups. We don't have enough pudding to suffice all these children. Mm -hmm. And the lead sister said, well, how many do you have? And she said, we have like 12 or Mm -hmm. 20 or something Mm -hmm. like that. And she said, we'll put them up. When 500 was needed. Yeah. She said, put them up. And she said, well, we can't do that because then a few children will get some and then the rest won't. And she said, just put them out. Mm -hmm. And they went ahead and they had the the meal and everything. And they literally, so this this nun is telling this guy, this this guy that's very high up in in this Catholic, Orthodox, whatever. So she's telling him this testimony on how they never ran out of pudding. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, that's amazing. And she said, no, the amazing thing was, is God not only um, multiplied the pudding, mm-hmm. but he multiplied, multiplied the pe- plastic cups. Mm. And they kept all 500 cups. That's so weird. They kept all the 500 plastic cups that the pudding came in mm-hmm. as a testimony to everybody in that geographic area on mm-hmm. what God was capable of. And this guy's like tearing up. Yeah. 
And if you would be in that like paralysis state that people get in, they would just be like, we don't have enough pudding. We're not putting any out. Yep. We'll right. just save these 20 for later. And nothing would ever happen. Mm-hmm. You have to put something out there and just put your heart on the line. A lot of times, like when you're going through the steps of thinking things out and preparing, God's preparing your heart. Yeah. He already has the answer. <laughs> he already did the thing. He already he already did all of this, but he needs you to go through the exercise of getting this your thoughts organized and out and laying out your steps and doing the networking and doing some of the work because he already has it there. If he's giving you the vision. Goat, the goat, ram is already on its way up, up the, the other, other side, side of the mountain. And you are too, right? <laughs> like, or are you? But if you're not going up the mountain. Or are you? Yeah. yeah. If you're stuck in that spot. And the one thing I was saying earlier is, a lot of people, they won't even take that first step of like a planning meeting or, you know, that yep. sort of a thing. And like, what are you going to do? Wait until <laughs> if you want to do a thing, what are you going to do? Wait until you have 500 people there or 50 people there. Right. I, I said to Heidi, I always say this at work. Don't wait to buy a plunger until you need one. Right. And God is like, prepare Learn yourself. that lesson the hard way. <laughs> wait. You did. I know. Like, that's an honest <laughs> truth. Honest truth. I just had that just unlocked yeah. a memory yeah. for me. Like, it was it was when oh we first moved into yeah. our townhouse and I had nothing. And like a situation occurred and, and you needed I it. called Christina and I was like, you need to get me a plunger right yeah. now. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. I completely <laughs> forgot. Did you just see the realization yeah. happen? That was like 15 years ago. Dude, that's yeah. so funny. But for real. Isn't it funny that we, like, God delivered me. Mm-hmm. God delivered us. We lost our place to live. I lost my job. We lost all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Hear about that more in Joe's testimony. Yeah. Episode. God started putting things back. But but not the there was still, <laughs> we were still faulted on like just the the essentials like but it wasn't a thing that we were worried about like we weren't yeah. worried yeah you didn't know what kind of crappy situation you were going to end up in <laughs> you know what's uh, you know what's funny though too is we moved from our our last place that we lived in it was so small and mm-hmm. gross and just had so much darkness attached to it that when we moved into this to the new place that we lived in it felt like fresh slate clean slate like the bathroom was huge i didn't have a mushroom i I remember just being in that bathroom and like i was like the most blessed person on this entire earth because i get to live in this beautiful clean clean place and then what happens is over time that clean place that you once loved and adored that's no longer good enough. Have yeah. you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I can't live in this filth anymore. Yeah. We lose perspective mm-hmm. because back in that time, that was like the most beautiful bathroom I've ever seen in my entire life. But if, if you truly have a vision from God and it's from God, he's the provider. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's got provision. Yeah. He's pro vision he's he's a for your vision yeah so he's gonna provide he's going to we we often he, think he gives that you divine providence yes 
Providence, by the way, is providing. Yeah. For those of you, he, you know who he's, you are. He's already, <laughs> he's, he's already made the map. You yeah. Know? I mean, he's like, everything is, is in process. We just, we forget that we're on time. He's on eternity. Yeah. It's like we're playing a game of Candyland. Mm. No. Help me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember how to play Candyland either. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm struggling to draw. To I connect just, the dots. I just immediately saw like the map, and like oh, I have I to get to my goal, and so I'm okay. gonna like take a couple things here. Yep. <laughs> she said and Candyland. Then... <laughs> I immediately thought shoots and ladders. <laughs> Yeah. Well, kind of same concept. I'm gonna get a couple here, but then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get stuck over here with this little idle situation, and I'm gonna get stuck in the mud for a few turns, and then I'm gonna go down here, and then I'm gonna have to slide all the way back to like the first base because you know, I just that is completely true. lost yeah. what I was supposed to do. Yeah. It's just that process of just doing it. Serpientes y escaleras. That's the Spanish of shoots and ladders. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't know some some things I don't know, but I do know that when we you had to get when we and then yawn, yawn yeah, get I a life too. When we hit that, you know that place of being mm-hmm. paralyzed. Yeah, yeah. Like my thought just was <laughs> your <laughs> like thought you were, was paralyzed. Yeah. yeah, you know, I used to have sleep paralysis. When oh. I was before I was set free, mm-hmm. and it was awful. Yes. And when when you get frozen, you know whether it be um, captive to a thought, or you know that could be a lot of times we're captive to a good thought. It's all we can think about. Yeah, that's we, true. Like we can't do anything else because we're co- totally overtaken. Yeah, overwhelmed. But either way, when when you're when you're captive to something, we have to find a way to put God back in the in the place of our focus. Mm. Yeah. Because once we get back to it's like when we talk about trauma and stuff and talk about, you know, if 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 God calls us to unlock that memory, we immediately say, Jesus, I just welcome your presence into that moment in my life. So that if that gets brought back up, I see you there. Guillermo Maldonado, by the way, from King Jesus Ministries, does an incredible teaching on trauma as bilingual. It is in Spanish and English, though, but just highly recommend. But like when you when you have that, then no longer do you look back like you you'll the the event still happened. Yeah. But now you can see that the root. And the seed is cut off. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer allowed to produce fruit now in the present. And it's no longer allowed to pr- produce fruit in the future. Because now you look back and you see the king of kings and where he carried you through and you didn't die there. Mm-hmm. Right? So like when we bring him back into the point of focus where it's like, okay, I don't have what I would like to have. I don't understand why, even though I've had a prophetic word from five guys that seemed credible, why I'm not to this place yet. But Lord, I trust you. Come on. And I believe that you're going to speak to me mm-hmm. and through me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait upon you 
not like sit down and yeah do the wait. There yep. you go. I'm yep. going to I'm going to wait on you. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna serve you. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna put on my apron. Yeah, I'm gonna get it's my. It's not sit there and just wait for the Lord to move. You know, yeah, back, tap in your foot. Yeah. Back in the day, when I was a server, we were both servers together. We would at at, at the, the beginnings, we would literally have a a fistful of pens in our in our pockets so that we could write down everything you know and and then after a little while you learned how to abbreviate and you you learned how to write down certain meals and certain things they did or didn't want and and you'd make it shorter and shorter and then sometimes it would get if you were good enough and you were there long enough you'd get to a place where you could just remember it that's crazy i was never that person there i was and i would go back and i'd just punch it in oh good for you <laughs> And then mm-hmm. the customer would notice that. Yeah, I notice it every time. We have a waiter that doesn't write it down. Oh, so immediately it's a red flag to me. I'm like, <laughs> you're never going to remember this. But go so, ahead. But think about this. If, if your customer, the one who's, who's, that you're waiting on is God, and all of a sudden he sees that you've gotten so proficient mm-hmm. in serving him that now you just remember the order of him. Yeah. Like he's not... He's not, he's not an ATM. Yep. Uh, he's got, he's, he's a God of order. Well, I think that one of the big takeaways for me from this discussion is we have to let go of the notion that we don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. That oh, we just yeah. can sit back on our haunches and say, well, I prayed. And the Lord gave me a word through this other person and we don't get into the word mm-hmm. and we don't worship. And we, at some time, sometimes we actually do the opposite. Like we shut down. Yeah. And then we expect that things will just fall into place because God said they would. Yeah. Whereas God is like, listen, yeah, I called you. What are you doing to make it happen? Faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you're faithful and little, I'm going to give you more. Yeah. He literally said that in his word. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing to be faithful in the little? Yeah. What are we doing? We have to let go of this notion that in order for, for God to call it, God will call us, but that we don't have to do anything. Yeah. And I think part of it comes from a misunderstanding of people that are in that calling now. Yeah. That you think that it just was handed to them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't. There's blood, sweat, and tears that went into that. Right. Whether or not it came generations before them or not, it it went into that. Your calling right now is an answer to prayer from generations ago. And like, what does it say? The whole earth is groaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For people to come into their calling. Yeah. But you have to come into it. Yeah. It doesn't say the whole earth is groaning for you to sit there and have the calling come to you. Right. That's not what it says. And we have to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And we have to start to take steps towards what God is calling us to do. And we, we have to, we can't just sit back on our morals and then start to resent God because he hasn't come through for us. Right. You know? So. Well, and scripture mm -hmm. constantly has, has, a resounding effect of, um, you know, Jesus saying the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, the idea of, 
sometimes to follow him, we have to give up everything we love in this world and even family. Um, he says at one point, take up your cross and follow me. And if yeah. you die to self and you, you make him first, you'll be su successful in that because you know resurrection mm -hmm. and kingship follows the death and the cross and the burial. Do you know what's very interesting that I was just thinking about with, um, with this whole thing? Sometimes we can get so impatient. Like we work full time. Mm-hmm. And, so we're not full-time ministry. We're, you're full-time many things, to be honest. You personally, Heidi. And you too, Joe. Like, I feel like you are full-time ministry, but you're also full-time working. Like, you're just working two full-time jobs. Yeah. And it's very interesting because he approached Peter and John. He already knew their skill set. And he they knew how to fish and there's many principles of being a fisherman mm -hmm. that he knew would be applicable in bringing people to him. Mm -hmm. And so he picked people that were already in a specific role mm -hmm. and already in a specific profession. And he addressed them and he said, Hey, I see you know how to fish. <laughs> Come with me. And I'm not going to change what you know how to do. And you're, you're calling here, right? But instead of fishing for fish, yeah. how about we are fishers of men? Yeah. And then all of those same principles that they learned in the job that they had before they even knew him, yeah. they were able to take and apply into their new calling. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. And I think about that Absolutely. with us all the time because it's like yeah. Joe learned networking and acquisition and things like that and we have so many applicable skills that we've learned yeah well a lot with leadership leadership and project management yes planning execution all of those things which are important for right sizing ministry, anything yes. ministry related and we're able to now take those and we can't despise those early beginnings mm -hmm. and those small beginnings even though you may be inclined to like, oh my gosh, look how long it took me to get into ministry. Yeah, but if you hadn't stayed where you were meant to be for just a little longer, you wouldn't have learned that thing. Yeah. I can't. I could write a book in the last Do three it. years of how many times there's been conflict in the church. And then Christina will break it down and show each party just how they don't know how to express what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Because she's in communication. Yeah. And people, they speak out of emotion that's been pent up mm -hmm. because they didn't know how to address something that could have been easily fixed two years ago. So then they dwell on it and then they build, they let it build a stronghold in their life. It festers, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden other things come in and live in that stronghold. And then by the time they blow up, the other party is taken completely off guard. Yep. And then they they literally respond out of panic. And then all of a sudden, it's like two minutes in conversation. Christina's like, I think what you really meant was this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Uh -huh. But you didn't say it that way. Like now they're, they're in a place of defense. Yep. That's now turned into offense because now they're, they're going to get you back. Because they feel you just ambushed them 
and you've been dwelling on this for two years. Yeah. Like, what is wrong that you didn't feel it was safe to come in and just share this with your brothers and your sisters mm-hmm. that love you? And then all of a sudden, it's like gone in a day, and I'm standing there scratching my head like, wow, humans are weird. They're yeah. so like, weird. You have no idea. I literally just say what I'm thinking all the time, and it gets me in trouble. But... Like nobody has to feel ambushed because I, I feel ambushed every day. <laughs> Do you? Well, I love you. I'm sorry. That's funny. I'm kidding. I apologize. Sort of. I we actually had a Bible study last week about what did you want to be when you were a little kid, and Joe started to be able to take a lot of what people said and relate it to how God still used like the root of that in what they ended up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God gave us like prophetic insight into where they're at. And yeah. How it, how it actually came to be. And it was really neat. And you could see people's eyes like, oh my gosh. But it was neat to unlock that imagination piece that a lot of the times as adults, you just kind of put a lock on the box. So what were your answers? Each person was different. It, no, yeah. No, you too. Uh, oh. <laughs> Joe wanted to be a <laughs> she goes. Joe wanted to be a pirate, obviously. And it turned into what is he the biggest right now? He's a giver. I'm a giver. Um, like if you think about pirates, they you know it was a community. You want to run like that? <laughs> <laughs> the little Johnny just, Depp yeah, on there, Jack Sparrow. So they they would there was always a transfer of wealth. Yeah. They were always like a Robin Hood. Yep. They were never in the same place for very long. Mm -hmm. There was always this bouncing around. I'm in like 600 houses a year. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much about like what, what, you know, but mine's all like good, you know? Yeah. Heidi, what was your answer? I wanted to be a dancer. (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Can I be honest? When I was like 15, when I was Max's age. Oh, it was like I would on. have put money on the fact that I was going to be Toby Max backup dancer. Carmen. Carmen's backup oh dancer. Gosh, yeah. And I was just gonna travel the world. Yeah. And I was just gonna hip hop dance yeah. and like be awesome the be rest of my to life. Jesus. It's yeah. fully what I thought my future was gonna be. Yep. So funny. Carlos, what do you think you were gonna be when you grew up? This is always a very interesting question coming from you because there's a very different emphasis on career path in El Salvador. He thought he would be a police officer. Mm. I could see it. Yeah, I could too. What about you? This is kind of funny. Uh, Two things. Yeah. A doctor. Okay. And I'm not a doctor. I mean, you are the learned doctor in our family. (laughs) I can Google with the rest (laughs) of them. I am not a doctor, but I'm in the healthcare industry adjacent to yeah clinicians mm-hmm. yeah but and i don't provide patient care with a lot of providers yes which they don't think i'm a learned doctor <laughs> um and then the other thing was a concert pianist which mm. yeah i'm not that far you're not off. that far but what ended up happening though during that bible study was when you get those juices flowing mm-hmm. just by letting it out and just talking about stuff the whole, even in Malachi, when it says the book of remembrance, things come back to you. Yeah. So I was in the middle of that Bible study and all of a sudden, Holy Spirit brought back to remembrance of me asking God for a dream like 15 years or no, maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. about what I was, what, I, what he wanted my future to be. 
and I had a dream about it and I told my dad about it and somehow that just got blocked, like suppressed, blocked, yeah. locked. I don't know what, but I'm sitting in the middle of a Bible study last week and God brings that back to me. And it was just confirmation of what yeah. Joe already said we're supposed to be doing and then added a little bit to it. And I was like, whoa. So just getting those juices flowing again, you're going to be shocked when all of a sudden you start that process mm-hmm. because Holy Spirit's going to start bringing these things back into remembrance. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We are so blessed to have the privilege to share with you. If you haven't already, please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us by searching at The Real King Podcast. That's at T-H-E Real King Podcast. The Real King Podcast is recorded in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It is hosted by Joe and Heidi King, who are joined each week by Christina Santamaria as a moderator and contributor. It is produced and edited by Joe and Heidi King and Carlos and Christina Santamaria. All content is under copyright and all rights are reserved.